Hello everyone, this is Kapta Kanunia. My name is Tony Saad, and we have a very special guest today. His name is Yusuf Asad. Um, Yusuf, do you want to introduce yourself a little bit? Sure. Um, I don't know if I'm a very special guest. I think I'm your first guest, Tony. But um, <laughs> uh, my name is Yusuf. I'm a Coptic Orthodox Christian. I'm uh, Rutgers uh, University fourth year. Uh, majoring in economics, and I'm starting a Master's of Business next semester. Well, that's awesome. I didn't even know about the Master's of Business. Uh, that's new yeah. to me. <laughs> um, but Yusuf, uh, he's he's a little humble, so he he didn't introduce the best part. Um, he is OCCM, uh, Rutgers OCCM's president, and so I'm hoping that Yusuf can tell us a little bit more about OCCM. For sure. Uh, so OCCM stands for Oriental Christian Campus Ministries. Um, and OCCM is actually a national organization. And um, I had the opportunity to serve in our Rutgers chapter. And our recent mission change actually has been geared towards evangelism. Um, we have been a lot of things in the past, and I'm sure we're going to talk about some of those things. Yeah, so if we could just talk a little bit more about these changes, because OCCM, I remember when I first came into Rutgers, um, it was more of a fellowship type uh, group. Um, but I know this year there were a lot of changes. Um, and Yusuf, I know, knows a lot about these changes. So if you can tell us a little bit more about that. For sure. So as you're saying, in previous years, our uh, mission or our target audience was Coptic Christians, and when we changed from COF to OCCM, it was more broadly Oriental Orthodox Christians. Um, but as you said, it was it was a youth group essentially. It was a fellowship. Um, it was a home for Orthodox or Coptic Christians on campus. Um, however, there was a need for that in previous years, and the need for that was because um, in previous years the parishes in the area did not have strong youth groups. And so as that changed, we realized that we need to make, uh, stay mission-centered and we don't want to be uh, replicating services that already are there. And so we realized that the next natural logical step for OCCM was evangelism. And so operationally, we began to change a lot too. Our events became much more geared towards evangelism and we even do weekly tabling where we stand um, in different campus centers and we talk to people, engage with people, talk to them about Christianity and Orthodox Christianity specifically. And with our members, um, we realized that there is a need to nurture our members to be equipped to evangelize. So that became a big part of our focus too. Yeah. So, you know, as you mentioned, basically in the past, OCCM used to be more of a fellowship group. Um, and now its focus is more on evangelism. So really, I mean, my question is, how exactly does that affect those who might not be as close to the faith? You know, so before, because it was a fellowship group, it used to bring the Coptic community together, you know, and right now, if the focus is more on evangelism, you know, the worry might become for some, how do you account for those who are not as close to the faith who might not feel called to evangelize? So that's a very good question. Even in previous years when we were um, a fellowship youth-centered organization, we were never meant to be a replacement for 
uh, the church. We were a supplement. We were the an arm of the church on campus uh, and on the campuses. And so when we realized that the church youth groups have become much more equipped to handle um, the the large and growing population of Coptic youth, we realized that is no longer where we need to be, and we should leave that to the church parishes. The second thing is that evangelism, especially in the Coptic church, is highly misunderstood, and it takes a lot of different roles and shapes, and sometimes people think that you have to be an amazing public speaker in order to be an evangelist, or you need to be um, amazing at apologetics and theology in order to evangelize. However, evangelism is a mission granted to every single Christian. When Christ says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, uh, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, he's talking to all Christians. This is a calling for everyone. And so um, I think as we grow, we hope to be an organization that helps to equip people to take on the different roles and shapes that evangelism can, can be. So what I'm getting from you basically is that evangelism is a very important, you know, focal point for Christianity in general. And I feel as though we as a society probably, and we as a Coptic community, we, we neglect it a lot. So how exactly do you think we would be able to go about, you know, evangelizing during the 21st century where that's not necessarily, you know, looked at as, you know, the best thing? I think, first of all, you bring up a good point that it's, it hasn't, although it should be, it has not been uh, a focal point. And I think there's very good historical reasoning for that, at least in the Coptic Church, in that we have lived in a country that has been controlled by Islamic forces, and it has always been danger for us to praise the name of the Lord publicly. Or not always, but throughout most of the history since the Islamic conquest, it's been dangerous. So we haven't been an evangelizing church for a very, very long time. And so there's a few things here um, as to how we should go about it now. I think, first of all, we need to start to overcome these innate fears of persecution. I think we're insanely blessed to be in a country like America where you can speak your mind without fear of imprisonment. Like that's we don't even realize how amazing of a thing that is. We won't be stoned in the streets. We won't have to pay a jizya. We won't have to uh, risk our lives in order to, to preach the name of Christ. And that's an amazing thing. So we need to overcome these fears of persecution. Second, I'd say we need to become a lot more embedded in our local communities. Um, it's, it's not easy to realize the need for evangelizing when all the people we we come in contact with are already in the faith. We don't see the need for compassion and love, and evangelism really is at its core um, uh, the most fundamental form of love. Um, and so we need to become a lot more embedded in our local communities and uh, realize the consequences of not evangelizing. Uh, you know, God says no one can enter the kingdom of heaven unless they're born of water and spirit. And unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. So when we don't evangelize, we are basically saying that we don't care if the people around us don't get to experience the joy that we are granted. So there are really dire consequences to living a life outside of evangelism. And I think third of all, we need to be a little bit more courageous. Um, I'd say 
I really respect something in our Protestant brothers that they are very courageous people, that they have no fear to go out and talk about their relationship with Christ. And I really respect that. So I think if we keep those things in mind, it becomes, um, it becomes a really relevant thing to do in the 21st century. I mean, you bring up a really good point in the fact that we don't have these innate fears of persecution anymore. Um, however, something that, you know, we have to also like kind of realize is that we live in a society where mixing church and state is not really looked up to, you know, it's, it's frowned upon. And so how are we supposed to evangelize if it's going to always be looked down on? You know, the, the three things that they always teach us to never talk about are um, the religion, politics, and sports. Like they say, those things are the things that you just don't talk about because it causes controversy, right? So how exactly are we going to, you know, even if we're not suffering from persecution, you know, it's still looked down on in this society to evangelize. So... That's a very good point. Um, and I think that what you're saying is that we've taken this idea of separation of church and state and we've kind of internalized it, which is a problem. Um, we've created boxes for ourselves where I have my work box and my school box and my religion box. And we've even placed God like we have the God of the weekends where I go to church on Sunday and uh, maybe I serve on Saturdays and then the rest of my week has no semblance of godliness. Um, and that's, and it, it's easy for us. Boxes are an easy way to manage our lives. And it, it's easier for the world around us if they don't have to hear about Jesus. So that's, that's a problem because my relationship with Christ should not and cannot be boxed. I cannot find Christ only on the weekends when I go to church and my work has nothing to do with Christ. My school has nothing to do with Christ. My relationships have nothing to do with Christ. That means I have kicked Christ to the curb, and that's a really big problem. Um, and so, first of all, I have to make Christ the living part of my daily life, that every single day, every single moment revolves around Him. Um, the second thing I'd say is that I have to stop accepting secularism as the default or atheism as the default. Um, when I went to Kenya uh, last summer, um, I met a boy who was a deacon. He was about 18, 19 years old. And the deacons in the Kenya are amazing. They go around with us. They're like real servants. They are like the hands and feet of the church in Kenya. And um, he was asking me, or rather I was asking him about what the religions are in Kenya. And he was telling me, oh, there's a lot of Muslims, uh, there's Christians, and then there's a lot of tribal religions. And then he asked me, oh, what, what does it look like in America? Like, what are the religions like? And I was saying, oh, there's um, a lot of Christians, but there's a lot of Hindus, there's a lot of Jews, there's tons of different religions. And then there's a lot of people who are atheists. And he looks at me, he's like, atheist, what does that mean? I was like, they don't believe in God. And he looks at me and he's, he just stares at me for a few seconds. And he says, what do you mean? Like, they don't believe in anything? And I thought about it for a second. And I thought about why it was that he was so boggled by this idea. And it was because... I'd realized that I've accepted the idea that there's some sort of default, that there is like no God. And I'm taking a leap of faith in realizing that there is a God. When for most of history and in most cultures, even today, the default is that there is a God out there who's taking care of you and who loves you. 
And the, the out of the norm is that I have taken God out of everything. And so we've taken that and put that into our lives. That our default is that we have to go out of our way to love God and accept God into our lives, which shouldn't be. And it blows my mind. Um, and then the last thing that I'd say is that we'd really, really be surprised as to how willing people in our lives are to talk about these taboo subjects. And I think that the more we look at the media, we think that we live in an insanely polarized world where I can't talk to anyone about anything because I might risk offending them or um, I could cause problems. But really, when I have opened up to people in my life who are not religious or um, don't subscribe to any specific dogma, they are very willing to talk about things so long as they are done in love. And that's what we're told to do. We're told to speak the love and truth. And I think that when we do that, it's really not as bad as we think it is. You know, I, the story of the, the kid in Kenya, that, 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 that's an amazing story. It actually boggles my mind. And I'm glad that you mentioned, you know, the whole idea of, um, I'm going to butcher this word, compartmentalizing everything, right? I said it right this time. Uh, basically, you know, we focus on our spiritual lives and then we focus on school and then we focus on our hobbies and all of them are separated, you know? And I think the point of this podcast is that our lives outside the church are not supposed to be separated from our lives inside the church. They have to be intertwined. They have to be woven together. You know, our spiritual life is supposed to take up our entire life. And basically I'm hoping that by us seeing the different interests and passions of other Coptic youth and things that we often like consider are different from our spiritual lives, we're going to be motivated to not only just seek our goals that we never really thought about, you know, going for, but, you know, intertwining, intertwining them with, you know, the Coptic heritage. Um, so I, I'm, I'm glad, I'm really glad you mentioned that because really that, that is kind of the whole point of this podcast. Yeah, absolutely. And I just read a verse the other day. It said, let all your talk be about the law of the most high. So it's exactly what you're saying that everything we do and talk about should be about him. Okay. But just to play devil's advocate for a second, you know, if we're going to be completely real with each other, it's very difficult for us to make everything that we talk about, you know, be about the most high. Like I, I genuinely, I don't see myself walking into the Douglas, the Douglas campus center and just telling everyone, you know, that I see, Oh, do you know about Jesus? Like, I, I just don't see that happening as a reality even if I tell myself that that's what I'm supposed to be doing. So how exactly are we really going to evangelize if we're not all of us going to be talking about God 24 seven? I think that's a very good point. Um, I think evangelism is impossible when we take it to be this intellectual exercise of I'm going to go over to this person and convince them of my ideas. I think that evangelism is only possible when it becomes an outpouring of who I am and my love for neighbor. And what I mean by that is when my entire life is anointed, is baptized in a life with Christ, then 
the things I talk about, the things I think about, the, the places I go, everything will be geared towards him. And so it won't be me coming up to my friend who has seen me do all the things that the world does, all of a sudden start to talk about Christ because that will no longer be who I am. If I want to become a true evangelist, I have to be a completely changed human being. Out, uh, sorry, evangelism has to be like, I, I love Christ so much that my whole life is about him. And I have to, I feel like there's a bubble inside of me that wants to burst and scream it out to the people around me. And that doesn't mean I'm going to go stand, uh, like you were saying, like in the middle of the campus centers and scream about Christ, although that may be your form of evangelism. Um, but it means that when I interact with the people around me, it's going to naturally come up. And the Holy Spirit really works through us and he will guide us so that in the moments, the critical moments where I should bring up something that really relates to what we're talking about and I can bring that person to Christ in that moment, he will give me the words and the the timing and the, the logic and the wisdom to do it right. So if we completely rely on ourselves, you're right, it's, it's an, an insanely difficult task and it's not easy to begin with. But when I become completely in the mindset of Christ and my entire life is that, like we were talking about before, then this will be a natural result. So basically what you're saying, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, when I improve myself and bring myself closer to God and build my relationship with him, you know, on my own, that in and of itself will end up relaying to others and that will become a form of evangelism. Is that, is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah, it is. Um, and there's a ton of ways to evangelize. Like we were saying before, it takes a whole lot of different shapes and forms. So you might be a really good public speaker. And I think Tony, this, this podcast is amazing because this is your way of going out and in many ways evangelizing that people will come and hear Christ through this form, but this might not be everyone's form. But when we, like you were saying, build a true relationship with God, God will reveal to us the way he seeks for us to speak about Christ. Yeah. I, um, I know, I think, I think it's in Corinthians that St. Paul, he's talking to the Corinthians about basically how people have different kind of talents. And he says basically that, you know, I planted Apollos watered, but it's God who has given the increase, right? So the whole idea is that all of us have different things, different talents, different passions that, you know, we're going to build ourselves and God gave it to us. You know, we, it's not like we, we were, we built them just, you know, from scratch, you know, God gave us these talents for a reason. But when we use them all together, God is going to give the increase. God is going to bring people closer to him. It's not necessarily that I'm going to convert this person when I see them. But, you know, I might make a difference in their life that leads to somebody else making another difference. And it's going to continue in it. And it's a, some type of chain reaction where God is going to bring that person to him. So... I know, um, you know, as you, as, as you kind of said before, the big thing about OCCM is this idea that everyone 
is going to be using different talents. Not everyone is good at public speaking, right? And that that's pretty much the point of this podcast. People are going to know us because of our talents, right? And because of our passions. And when they know of all these things, they're going to know that God is the one who gave us all these things, right? And that is where everything that we have comes from. And so in that way, God is going to give the increase. Um, thank you so much, Yusuf, for, you know, joining us and being the first guest on this podcast. Uh, I really appreciate it. Thank you um, for having me. Yeah, of course, of course. And uh, just so you guys know, me and Yusuf, uh, you know, he's like, he's my best bud. You know, he he serves with me and he he, he used to beat me up when we were a kid, but it's okay. <laughs> I forgive him. <laughs> um, thank you guys for listening. This is, again, a Coptic Kononia. And I hope you guys really enjoyed this, uh, you know, discussion. And, you know, we're going to be having so many more different guests uh, talking about their talents and the things that they love. And uh, I hope that some of you who are listening want to be on this because, again, you know, this is, this is for all of us. This is for the Coptic youth. So if you guys have any passions or interests, please let me know so that we can, you know, learn from each other, benefit from each other, and ultimately use the talents that God gave us to bring others to Christ. Again, this is Coptic Canonia, and uh, thanks for listening.